Welcome to Obehave, the behavioral science podcast from Ogilvy Change. One of the first things I noticed when I first discovered behavioral science was that when I gave talks about marketing and advertising, I got invited to marketing and advertising conferences. When I started talking about behavioral economics, I got invited to 10 Downing Street. Hi, I'm Julia Stainforth. And I'm Maddie Croucher. And as you know, we're the editors of this podcast. So, we survived Nushtalk 2017. It was a jam-packed day of behavioral science, ice cream, and sunshine, as has become a happy tradition of Nushtalk. The highlight for me this year was definitely the diversity of the speakers. Yeah, this year we did something a bit different and embraced the festival vibe and championed our speakers via three stages. First, we had the rock stage, where we had academics speak from the bedrock of the discipline. Then we had the pop stage for the popularizers of behavioral science. And on the funk stage, we heard from those applying behavioral science in the real world. But if you weren't able to make it in person this year, you can catch up on all the content from the day on the Ogilvy Change YouTube channel. So on this episode, we have one of our funk speakers, Charlotte Pierce. Charlotte is the founder of Inkpact, a company who makes brands unforgettable through the power of personalization. Charlotte had a really short slot on the day and only touched the surface of the fascinating work that Inkpact does. So we thought we'd invite her in to share some more insights into her world of applied behavioral science. Charlotte sat down with Tara Austin earlier this week at Sea Container's house. Thank you so much for coming in. So, um, Charlotte, how did you find Nudgestock? How was it for you? Yeah, of course. I think, yeah, to start with, I think I wasn't quite sure what I expected out of Nudgestock. I knew it would um, be lots of interesting people in the room, but I think the thing I got from it was that there are just so many different angles to behavioural science that impact I think we do every day and the way businesses are ran. And there are so many different key people from different industries there, from kind of politics to business to sports. I think it was a great mix of different types of viewpoints in the room. And it was, uh, yeah, an honour to be able to bring my viewpoint and the viewpoint of uh, Inkpact and kind of our mission to help companies and people be unforgettable. So that was quite nice to, uh, for us to kind of share that with um, with everyone, but in general, I think it was a fantastic event, and all the feedback we've had since, and the conversations we've been able to pick up since, have been um, incredible. So, yeah, it was just something that we loved being a part of, and loved meeting the people there, and kept relationships since. So, thanks for having us. That is really, really great to hear. Thank you. And so, um, at Nudgestock, you presented uh, how Inkpact came about and what is Inkpact. Could you give us a sort of summary of, of your presentation, if you like? Yeah, of course. So. Uh, Inkpact's mission is to help companies be unforgettable with their communication. In today's digital age, and I actually put a meme of this um, on screen in the presentation, which is 10 years ago we were really excited, or probably more than that, we got excited when we got an email and uh, we told everyone about it. And nowadays we get so many emails, we just bombarded with them, we delete them and ignore them, and um, we, don't, we never really share them with anyone. And so it's been really hard for companies to get people's attention by emails or online. Uh, marketing and actually what we found is when you strip it back to basics and people just want that connection to a customer or connection to a company and um, actually we found that handwriting is one of the best ways to do that and when you get a genuinely handwritten message you open it every single time you'll read it you'll give it the attention it needs you'll normally keep it around a bit longer so it's in your viewpoint um, or you'll put it on a wall or you know you'll put it on a, on a notice board and that just means that company's brand is in, is in that vicinity of that customer for much longer so 
we just found that actually when you strip communication to back is people just want to be connected with the company, connected with someone else in a really personal way. And it's hard to do that via email. So Inkpack started when I just accidentally kind of stumbled upon handwriting as a really effective way of marketing and didn't know how to scale it initially. But then I guess use the power of the crowd and the power of people all across the UK with great handwriting to allow big companies and small companies to send these beautiful handwritten messages um, at scale. So now we work with you know huge different ranges of brands and organisations, but the message is still the same, which is we use something a bit different and really personalised in a in a really kind of unique and in our sense a handwritten way. It gets that impact and it means that your your calls to action or your your request from your customer or just a thank you just goes much further and lasts uh, much longer. So. Yeah. And you're a social enterprise? What does that mean? We are, yeah. So um, I think from a very young age, I fell in love with the fact that businesses can help people at the same time. And so when the idea of handwriting came about, is actually the way to scale this is through people, and we don't mind what background they come from. So uh, all of our scribe tribe, we call them, our writers across the country, uh, come from a variety of backgrounds. Some have been in prison previously, some have been homeless. Uh, some are mothers that are taking time out from work and wanting another income whilst they bring up their kids. Um, some are young people that have never been in you know, education or, or training um, and it just it gives an opportunity for these people to earn money through handwriting which um, they have the skill of but didn't actually realise they can earn money from it. So it allows us to help big companies be unforgettable but at the same time help people move their lives forward through writing. It's our big mission to help uh, people all across the UK and hopefully all across the world one day soon. Great. Um, it's really interesting, one of the questions that we got at at NudgeDoc from Dr. Nicola Raihani, no less, was um, a question around authenticity and the fact that um, your handwritten letters are not actually handwritten by the CEO, they're handwritten by somebody else. Um, do you think that uh, people will realise this? Is there a problem with pe people realising that they're not written by the CEO and, and the problem therefore with the authenticity in the end? I think different companies also, we offer the opportunity for different companies to showcase this in different ways. So some of our um, companies that we work with that have a quite big CSR or social mission will actually say that it's written by somebody else and be very upfront about the fact it's been written by someone that might have been homeless or been in prison. And actually that has an even bigger social impact on, uh, you know, and social message to their end and can the customer or consumer. So we give the option for people to shout about it and it actually increases the, the effectiveness it has. Or some people don't shout about it and you know it comes from the CEO, but there is no other option for that company to the CEO can't possibly write like a hundred thousand messages or ten thousand messages. So effectively they kind of see us as as a almost like another printer, but with a social good and have a better response rate. So companies choose whether they decide to kind of disclose the fact it's written by someone else. We haven't seen a difference and no one has a negative impact when they realise it hasn't been written by the CEO. Most times they actually know it hasn't been. Um, and so it's it's that case that the company cares enough that I even get a handwritten letter that makes the difference and it's opened. So actually depending on the company they, they change their tactics with this but throughout no matter what study we've ever done or test we've ever done the fact it's handwritten and personal that's what makes the difference. And uh, one of the questions we had was whether you have any concerns that it might over time lose its effectiveness, that handwriting won't be 
valued as much. What do you say to that? So I think if every company was using handwritten communication instead of email, then I totally get that point. Like we'd be bombarded with handwritten letters again, but to get to that point now would be, yeah, it'd be very hard <laughs> to do it anytime soon. So if you just think about the number of companies out there and you think about the number of communications that go out, to do them all handwritten as a business, we would have to be, you know, bigger than Coca-Cola, Pepsi, that kind of level. Um, and so I think anytime soon it won't get there. I mean, there will be a tipping point where for marketing in particular, it might happen. But we always say to companies, this isn't a, um, this isn't a way to replace emails with handwritten letters every time. There's different points of a customer journey and there's different points in a customer relationship where sending a handwritten card or a letter or a message it's just going to have a better impact so this isn't supposed to replace emails and in no way do we want to do that it's just it's offering the option for when you ask yourself actually is an email enough in this situation then you have another option currently before we existed there wasn't you either had to handwrite it in-house personally or um you know or you just had to send an email there wasn't another option so we're filling that gap but with no way we're trying to replace emails so um we don't expect there will be thousands of handwritten messages every minute going out to um to everyone every day so um yeah i think we have to be very tactical about how we work with companies to do this and i know i, I keep saying handwritten letter but um obviously there's a there's a wide kind of spectrum of handwritten items that you're providing for people um in with different kind of brand fit or different um, occasions. Could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So um, I think it really depends on what message the company is trying to say. That actually a letter is used more to engage a brand new customer because you have to tell them more about your service or more about your product or more about your brand. Whereas actually our best-selling um, items are just little A6 or A5 note cards with a really nice kind of tissue-lined envelope. And the reason for that is because it's like if you were to write a little note card to your friends, you wouldn't write a whole letter normally. You'd write a little note card saying thank you, you know, it was great to see you or thanks for this gift or um, you might be just informing them of something small. So that's actually one of our, our biggest sellers. But we've done everything from writing on the inside of book covers um, to um, to writing on like something that goes with the champagne. Um, and we've even done these miniature, miniature letters that you had to use a magnifying glass to, um, wow. to read as a little bit of a press and PR stunt for a jewellery company. So we've pretty much written and wrote on uh, all different things. And we even play around with it sometimes. And actually people love picking up a pen. And so we do it where we send a postcard with you know, a little thank you or a, you know, thanks for purchasing this product, what did you think about it, with a blank postcard back so that the customer can post it back to the company to say what they thought about the product. And ah. actually, when they pick up the pen, initially we thought that's going to be harder work and they're going to really want to, but people love to pick up the pen, and especially if it's pre-stamped, it's easy for them to just put it back in the post box. Um, so you so talked they, about reciprocity yeah. in your presentation, and that really hits on this notion of uh, reciprocal engagement. Um, do you, have you seen that that is more engaging than just a regular let, one-way letter? Or, or it'd be great for you to expand on reciprocity. Yeah, of course. So I think um, what we there's two ways in which we use this um, in kind of our marketing. It's either there's different times of the year when you don't expect a company to necessarily contact you. So companies hold so much data now on kind of when you moved into your first house. If it's a bank, they know when you got your mortgage. They know these kind of things. They also know sometimes when your kids were born. They know when your birthday is. They know when obviously Christmas is or, or any holiday season. And actually, I think that's the time where you can really delight customers in a way that um, you just don't need to ask for anything back in return. It's like, we do care about you as a customer. Here's a birthday card or here's just a thank you or how's your new house going? We know you've been in there a year now, that kind of thing. And just putting yourself back in that person's mind in a way that they just feel truly grateful that you've done it. So with no call to action. 
And then maybe two, three, four weeks or months later, you follow up with some other form of marketing you're probably doing anyway, um, or something really targeted um, after. And actually, you see the difference in response rate of the second marketing campaign, because all you did the first time was just thank them and be really personalized, and to a moment that was emotionally special to them. So I think when you link that emotion with the communication and the personality, the, the three combined is, is great. I think the same way in which those postcards work so well is because you want to hear their feedback, you want to get their story from them. So I think one of the things we did was with a hip flask company and it was um, around, uh, lots of people use it for weddings or they take them on hikes or they take them on holidays. And people said, hey, here's the hip flask, we'd love to know uh, you know what you think about it and write us your story back tell us what you did with the hip flask and then people want to share their story they want to share that wedding that they gave it to the best man or they took it uh, you know mount everest or whatever it was and i think that they that feeling that the company cares about that what they think about the product and cares about their story makes such a difference and they want to pick up the pen and tell you so um i think if you can you if you can like leverage the data that most companies already have but think about it as if they were a friend or a, a really close colleague or a family member You'd send them something on their birthday. You'd ask them how things were going a year later. I'm trying to have that friend mentality a little bit into marketing in it. And um, I think we've done proof that it, yeah, it works really well. It's interesting because, you know, we're, we're sitting here in Ogilvy Change. We talk a lot about kind of labour illusion and how handwriting can deliver uh, that. Uh, we talk a, a lot about reciprocity and these sort of big behavioural principles. Um, you are out there doing it for real in your business. You know, we put you on the funk stage at, at Nudgestock because uh, that was dedicated to applied behavioral science and, 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 and real world kind of um, action, if you like. Uh, how, you know, was it your gut feel initially that this um, that handwriting was something that worked from a behavioral perspective? And, and how did you follow it or how did you, um, was it trusting your instinct or was it um, actually did you have any research already to suggest that this would, would work? So I think just my personality is kind of very much done on, on gut feel and when you first start a company it ends up just being an extension of your personality to a point and I've always had one of my favourite quotes in the world is uh, be a flamingo in a flock of pigeons and uh, I remember someone once said this to me and it's actually there are so many people and situations and things out there that are just very ordinary and um, it's actually that one thing that happens or that one thing someone says to you or that one person you meet that's not ordinary that you will remember for the rest of your life. So I think I kind of heard this phrase when I was like 14, 15 and I thought actually that's very true and you know it started in very different ways in my in my earlier life but actually throughout the rest of my business life and, and general personal life is actually let's not be that uh, flock of pigeons like everyone else, let's do something a bit different. And I think when I was at a marketing seminar and they were talking about and different forms of communication. Obviously, I didn't invent handwriting. I obviously did not come up with it. But all I realized was actually, you're trying all of this online advertising, online marketing. So is everybody else. What were you to do here if you were going to do something completely different, almost like opposite? What is that flamingo in that situation? And actually, it was the handwriting. And it's saying people don't receive this as much anymore. But if you ask anyone, they loved receiving it before. They love getting love letters. And they love getting little postcards from people. And why don't we try and translate that into the business world? And let's see if we can do it at scale. So. It initially was just that gut feeling of just doing something different um, when everyone else is doing the same is going to make you stand out in life, but actually when you apply that principle to business. So it was less of the research, it was more of just everything I've learned um, kind of running some smaller businesses before and, and also with the social enterprise angle, it was just merging all those things together and Inkpack formed quite organically. But since then it's been all these little tests and trials that we've done to enhance that in different ways. So I think that doing something different 
um, mentality is why our strapline is be unforgettable, not just in handwriting, but in every in everything that we do. Um, and so and so, yeah, and hopefully as the business continues to evolve and, and grows and probably will grow beyond just handwritten letters as well, that actually it's that motto of be unforgettable that we're helping companies to, to achieve. Ah, so, so the future beyond handwritten letters, what does that look like? Any yeah. uh, glimpses for us? So I think um, what we've realised is that the handwritten letters are a fantastic way of just getting that emotional connection with people. But there are other ways you can do it too, like through... Um, through, to give you an example, lots of customer service and customer call centres have a very standard way of, you know, we pick up the phone, we occasionally they write printed letters, and we've kind of in that market a lot to say, actually, there's a lot of situations someone's really unhappy with a product that you can go above and beyond for them. But actually, in their current systems, it's quite difficult. So they've only got a certain method of communication to get back to people. Whereas, actually, this is the time where you really want to wow somebody. So we've done things like send flowers and chocolates with a handwritten note, and send really personalised, um, so we might hear at someone's graduation, and we encourage the agents on the phone to actually come to Inkpad and say it's someone's graduation, let's get them something a bit more unique and different with a handwritten letter or note. So I think naturally we've been going into other areas which are kind of delighting and wowing people uh, above and beyond handwriting. And um, so I think there definitely is, uh, is a market there. And also a lot of the time people come to us for things like corporate gifting and say, we want to send our top 200 customers something for Christmas. How do I send 200 bottles of champagne to 200 locations? If I try and do that online, I have to do 200 different checkouts. It's actually very difficult to delight at scale. When you're just buying one gift from one other person, it's quite easy. But we've actually realized that there's a whole market out there for companies in particular, but maybe you know customers in future, to offer that delight and that wow, that personalization, but actually do it on scale. And the fact that we have this amazing network of writers means that we can deliver scale on you know, even gifts much easier because we can post out hundreds of thousands of gifts to locations. Mm. So I think um, we're still finding out exactly what the, what the future means for Inkpad. But the reason our strapline is be unforgettable is because we do think that um, companies have a great opportunity to really wow and delight customers. And if we can help them make that easy, because currently it's very difficult using you know, our our um, social enterprise and using the crowd, then that's a fantastic thing to do for the future. But I think, especially for now and probably for the uh, for the future, it always have a handwritten element with it. So whether that's a little compliment slip or a gift tag or a birthday card or um, just some kind of note saying thank you, I think that personal touch you can't really innovate on that too much. It is raw and it and it works for for that reason. And is it you you talked about personalization in your presentation as well? Is it is it the personalization that makes me feel special or is it the uh, personal touch in that somebody else has written it and there's an intimate connection therefore between the two of us is it both uh, how what do you think is the most important element of that I think to get the best results it's both and um, we have had some campaigns where the text hasn't been very personal at all but it still gets a good result because it got opened it got read and there's some emotional connection already there with handwritten letters but if you want to get the best return on investment and the best brand loyalty in particular, it's actually understanding that customer. And that's where our company's data is really important because we need to work out what was the last product they brought, ask them how that specifically was. Or um, if you know they went on holiday last you know, week, ask them how their holiday was. And that's why we've created plugs, plugins to CRM systems so we can pull that data really easily. So it does work just in the sense that if you send something handwritten, it will get a better response rate just because your open rate is 100%. Therefore, your response rate is going to be higher just because the number of people have opened it is more. However, if you want to go one step further and they're looking at more loyalty than just open, and open rates, then I think 
like things like plugging into a CRM system and pulling as much data as possible to create the most personal message. Uh, and we're actually, our tech team at the moment are doing a lot with sentiment analysis and working out, you know, a 15-year-old kid needs to hear something very different than a 50-year-old adult. But actually, a lot of companies send the same message to both of them. It might have their first name or their product, but we're using the same language. And through, you know, we've sent, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of handwritten messages, we get what kind of sentiment is working. And so um, our packages moving forward will be, we can send the handwriting element, really delight, but we can help you make sure that your, your tone of voice is, is right for a handwritten letter. The amount of people that try and copy and paste an email under a handwritten letter, um, and we normally intervene and say, hey, have you thought about actually making it more colloquial and actually making it um, like it's from a human to a human, don't copy and paste an email, and that does make a big difference. So I think there's a multitude of layers, depends what a company is, is looking for, but always if you can put personalization with the personal touch, you're going to get a much better um, yeah, response rate. That's fascinating. So the response rates, you, you mentioned there, 100% open rate. Uh, is that standard? Has that been replicated? Was that just one test? Or how, what are your results looking like? Yeah, so when I first started the company, I kind of wanted to understand why is this working? Like, I kind of get that it's doing something different, but is it that people are reading it? Is it they're opening it? How, like, which, which part of it is working? And so we did it where we called every single person, I think for the first five to ten uh, clients we ever worked with, and we put a lot of time and effort in a business that stage, but that much money resulted into it was a lot. Um, and every single person that ever received it, um, actually to the right address, to the right person, had opened it. And so we kept doing the studies kind of here and there throughout. And then we actually said, let's stop tracking the open rate because every time we ever do it, and every person we've ever speak to and ask them a question, if you've got a handwritten envelope, would you rip it up before you read it? And they're like, no, no, we'd at least read it. You know, whether they acted on it is very different. But actually we stopped tracking the open rates because it was always at 100%. As long as the information was correct, it got to that person, it would get opened. So then we started tracking okay, like the next step rates. And it's very difficult across different industries. We work with charities, FMCGs, luxury companies. They all have a very different call to action. So our call, so depending on what it is, um, we sometimes get between a 70 and 80% uh, next step rate. So um, on a campaign we did recently, we got a 75% next step, which was either a phone call or an email correspondence. So that's what we call like a touch point. Um, and then depending on the company, we then get sometimes between 20 to 30% of people actually either buying or coming into the to the company. So it does vary. Obviously, getting someone to part with cash is a lot harder than just getting someone to read a case study online, for example. So it does vary. But um, most people, our next step rates are much higher than their open rates of their emails, let alone actually having a conversation with them. So we generally are between, yeah, 17 and 80% kind of what we call like a meaningful conversation, be it a phone call or an email. And that's where you've, you've, you've written in the letter, please email me at, and, yeah. and somebody has actually taken the time to then go and do that. Yeah, definitely. And we've even done some social media stuff as well. So we've done a campaign recently with an energy company, and we did one before with um, a big FMCG, and we asked them to, hey, tweet us. Um, let us know what you think and they take a picture of it, they put it online. We've noticed a little bit of difference in demographics on this. So we did a follow-up um, kind of uh, informal questionnaire and phone calls for this big FMCG uh, and we did it with two different brands and one of the brands was for a younger audience, one of the brands for an older audience and we split tested it between handwriting and not handwriting so it's kind of like different variables. And what we found is um, not a single person tweeted or put it on Instagram um, when it had a printed flyer versus the hammer to note. So we knew that the hammer to note had the same free gift. We sent a free gift with all of them. And the hammer to note just got it taken a photograph of. I think people do receive samples all the time. They do receive things. 
Um, they valued them, but they didn't value them enough to take a picture of them unless they had a Hamilton note, which is one kind of big tick for us going, that's great. Um, and the second thing was the demographic split was the slightly older demographic physically showed it to someone else. So when their family member came round or a team member in the office, they'd physically show it and say, oh, look what this company sent me. Whereas the younger generation were the ones that put it on social media. So the, the sharing of it was very different. Um, but not many people shared the printed flyer with anyone else. Yes. Uh, I, think, I don't think anyone shared the printed flyer with anyone else. So all of the sharing. So that really helps a brand understand if you want to get your brand even more out there on social media, to send it to one person actually means that if they take a photo of it, they're sharing it with potentially hundreds of thousands of people on uh, social media. So if we can get that right and we can work with a brand to understand what they're looking for, then actually things like that are quite easy to, to get going um, on social media. So that's interesting to take the online, offline, and then have it put back online was quite an interesting concept, which um, which worked really well. Fascinating. Um, and so differences between different demographics, uh, as you scale up, presumably you're looking at moving outside of just the UK market as well. Do you think there are any kind of cross-cultural challenges or any, any, um, any concerns about writing in other languages? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the, as soon as we realised that handwritten letters in the UK were getting such good response and read rates, initially you start to think, well, actually, around the world, this could be the same too, because at the end of the day, we're all people, no matter what language you speak or whatever. Culture is a, it's a personal connection, which is why it worked. But the great thing about the model of Ink Factors it is now is that it's done by people on the ground. So when we go to, let's say, um, let's say we go to India, there are people in India that write in the various different languages but they know how they write and then the clients put the information on our platform and then we distribute that to lots of writers but the writers on the ground already know how to speak that language they know the etiquette they know how to formulate the letter they know more than we know how to write that letter properly for their culture and therefore all we're doing is we're allowing this model to happen at scale but because it's different people that already speak that language in those different cultures i think we're stopping some of the cultural um, overlap so someone that's english maybe trying to write something in hindi might do things that isn't correct in that culture, but actually someone in Hindi writing in Hindi means that we can actually scale because of the power of the people that write it, because we're not trying to get machines to do it, because we're not getting robots, it's actually done by the people. So um, we've actually written in different languages from the UK already, so we've been testing, uh, especially with France and Germany, we have a lot of uh, client inquiries from there, um, and actually we found writers in the UK that speak fluent French, speak fluent German, and they've been writing from here. So I think there are definitely overlaps and that personal touch is overlapping in most cultures. And but actually cultures, uh, parts of Asia where the more personalized, the better. Like there are bank managers that need to know every individual customer by their name and that's part of the tradition of the business. Um, so actually as they get more digital and they you know, go online more, they're gonna lose that, that personalization a little bit and we can help them kind of bring it back. So I think um, just like we, we have here, it's, I think there's just, in other cultures, in fact, more reason to be more personalised. Um, and as we have people on the ground in, in every country, and that is our aim to have uh, scribe tribes all across the world, um, mm -hmm. then it's actually them doing the writing. And then maybe so at the moment we're writing fountain pens here, it might be that they just write in a slightly different pen on slightly different paper in other countries. Um, so the biggest challenge for us is postal systems. Mm -hmm. um, it's less the cultural element because we can learn from the people and the scribe tribe on the ground for that. Um, it's less the business element because actually we work quite closely with the businesses um, and businesses generally are quite uh, global um, you know, in this day and age. It's actually more the postal system. So actually trying to get this set up in India would be very difficult because of the postal system and the way that the country's postal system is set out. Um, 
Whereas uh, I guess the places like across Europe and America, it's easier for us. The postal systems are similar to that of the UK. So I think postal systems are our biggest challenge. Um, uh, there are obviously ways around that. And I, I know that I spent a little bit of time in India that actually things are delivered a lot more by hand sometimes as well. Um, so, so yeah, it's just trying to get, just make sure that we can foresee these challenges before they happen. And, um, but we built the company ready to scale in, in any language. That technology already works in every language. And it's just we're, we're excited to get on the ground in these countries. Have you seen any difference in terms of effectiveness across different companies or categories? Yeah, so um, when we started, like with any company, you think, hey, I know who my target market is. And we thought our target market is luxury businesses that need to really make a difference to their top clients. You know, this handwritten puzzle, we even have wax seals, so you can have initials. And we thought, yeah, luxury companies are going to love this. And we have lots of luxury companies that work with us. But we were very shocked initially when um, I got asked to talk to some charities. And I thought, of course, I, yeah, I, we love working with charities and, and we have lots of charity partners. But I hadn't really considered them as a client and maybe quite naively for it to start with. Um, and I, when I kind of dug into conversations, it's because the rules of charities keep changing on how many times they can communicate with donors. Um, and lots of communication uh, problems have occurred in charities where people think they're being bombarded and they really have to give money. And, and you know, there's been some horrible cases of people um, get either getting depressed or, or being just wanting to um, shut off from these charities and that means that the charities lose their engagement with customers. And so when they said, look, if we send emails, we only get X amount of time to send an email and it doesn't get opened, we've lost that chance to engage with that donor completely because we're not legally allowed to contact them anymore. Whereas if we can send a letter that has a 100% open rate, at least we know our communication is getting opened. And so it was kind of, it dawned on me that actually their problem was that yeah, they, they generally, when people are engaged, they're properly engaged with their emails and online, but it's actually getting that message to the people that are quite difficult. And, and so we work with a lot of charities now across um, you know, d different sizes and different um, angles, but I think it's that we need our message to cut through and stand out, which we looked at it from a marketing sense, from a, um, from a luxury company point of view, but hadn't maybe perceived that. Um, and then we started thinking, well, um, what other industries have we maybe closed our eyes to and hadn't, hadn't realised? So we kind of opened our doors and for a little while we didn't do we didn't do any outbound marketing as a company. We let people come to us to see what happened over the last year. Um, and we found that like big FMCGs where their products were only worth two, three pounds, you know, per item, we're spending five pounds, six pounds on a on a letter and we're thinking, well, why like that doesn't really make any logical sense. But actually it's the brand value. Mm. Um, and the more we dig into it and the more we work with these companies, it's they don't just buy one product. Generally, for these FMCGs, they will buy hundreds of products every month for them from the same organization. And if they have one bad experience or they have a product that uh, maybe had gone wrong, if they lose that customer, they lose, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands lose of pounds for life. Their lifetime. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it's actually more important. But when you look at just the cost value of both of them, people might be like, oh, hang on, I'm sending a quite expensive letter here for for a smaller product. So we started to not think about in terms of luxury, it makes sense because you're spending a lot of money, but actually any industry where they're trying to get noticed or known or they're trying to thank or um, say sorry to a customer. Uh, we've, we've seen a lot in the energy kind of sector at the moment. In fact, any company where it's easy to switch, so you're looking at like banking, energy, telecoms, it's so easy to go on a price comparison site and go, okay, which one do I switch to? But not everyone can be the cheapest. It's not possible. <laughs> so there has to be added value there. And when you receive a handwritten note, I heard a story when I first started the business of um, somebody that I was talking to said, oh, yeah, my dad, he, he got a handwritten note from this hotel in, in America uh, telling him where to eat that night. 
And I was like, oh, great. How long ago is that? 20 years ago. He's like, you're still talking about it 20 years. How, when was the last time you talked about an email you got from, like, like the first ever, like, it just doesn't happen in emails. It doesn't happen in online marketing generally. So it was kind of, well, how do we take that to, to all industries? And how do we get, like, it doesn't matter if it's energy or slightly unsexier industries, but... They, they can switch so easily and that's even more important because if you're talking about a company even 10 days later that's a that's a big win for them so we're trying to help companies that it's very easy to switch mm-hmm. um, and very easy to renew different contracts or to cancel subscriptions and mm-hmm. um, the information age is out there and we're just there to help them um, to get their brand back in front of them at that moment before they switch to anywhere else and have you seen I'm particularly interested in this notion of saying sorry um, how do you think that works? Does it work? Why does it work better when it's handwritten? I think, um, and it's the same reason why, I guess, when you, I don't know if you've ever received a, like a gift via an email, like a PDF gift voucher. So if someone like gives you £20 Amazon voucher, for example, and it gets sent via an email, it doesn't feel like a gift. It feels like an email. And so when someone sends an apology via email, mm. it's like when people break up via text. It's like, that's unacceptable. You can't do that, right? <laughs> it's like, it's the same principle. It's the company is really that sorry. They'd either pick up the phone to me or do something a bit different. Okay. Um, and it's not possible nowadays for companies to always pick up the phone. Lots of call centers don't, don't exist anymore. And if they do, they're quite over capacity. And it's just not, it's not time effective to do it. So it's hard. But actually, by we can allow them to send this personal handwritten message. And for them, it's in a couple of clicks on our platform or through our CRM app so I think it's it's the fact that it's that they've gone above and beyond an email well, anyone can send an email of course that's easy I don't feel like it's a proper sorry that they really don't care about me that much whereas when you get a handwritten note it's like oh they must care about me a little bit to even to send me this handwritten note and spend the extra money on actually stamping it to me rather than franking it to me it's those tiny little differences that I think make the difference especially in a sorry because you're about to lose that customer it almost it doesn't matter how much money you have to spend to get them back you've lost them for life if you lose them but this is also, I think lots of studies have been done, um, if you're about to lose a customer, here's your opportunity to change their mind around like, you know, 180 degrees and turn what was a bad experience into a really good one. And they'll talk about that even more than the average experience they're already getting. So if they're already really annoyed at you, what have you got to lose? You might as well try and do something that is unforgettable um, and try and bring them around. I've also never heard anyone receive a handwritten note and get annoyed about it. Oh, this company spent way too much time and effort to put uh, <laughs> too much money on uh, telling me something. It generally doesn't happen. Um, and so, you know, even if people are indifferent about it, which people are, um, it's you're not going to have a negative impact by sending it. So you might as well give it a give it a chance. That's really interesting. So that that amount of effort that's gone in can turn you 180 from I suppose love and hate are always close together anyway exactly. for brands. Yeah. Um, okay. Does anyone I'm curious about the like? Do you get called in for crisis moments? Like, so there was a large airline recently that had a situation with a lot of un- displeased customers. Would you would you have the capacity to respond to that sort of situation? Yeah. So I think at the moment we're still relatively small and not that many companies know we exist. And every time we have kind of been known, they're like, oh, where were you? writing our Christmas cards or we had this crisis and we didn't know you existed because there aren't that many companies out there that can deliver the scale that we can people don't even know that this is an option so one of our biggest challenges as a company is how do we get that airline to even know we exist so that when they have a crisis hopefully not again in the future but if they were to how do they know to come to us and and so it's quite a challenge that we have is that people don't think that they can send a hundred thousand hundreds of messages so they don't even look at it as an option so I think for us it's trying to get out there and um, to get as many people to know we exist as possible so when there is that crisis there is that moment um, we can do it and we, we certainly can I mean the great thing about having so many writers and 
um, we have a lot of people like students who can work really on demand um, and we can we can turn it around in like 24 hours for you if we if we really needed to so I think there are lots of um, we've had conversations with charities about this about like disaster relief and they need to get some donations in very quickly can we help them do that and um, especially if we already have the stationery printed which is actually the hardest part or you're happy to have more generic stationery then we can turn things around very quickly so it's good to know if companies are out there then we can do that um, and we'd love to work with more companies on that and um, Definitely. Are there any clients, companies that you wouldn't work with from an ethical perspective or have you ever considered that? We often talk about in the behavioural science space about yeah. the ethics of nudging people. Yeah. Um, you will have heard probably Dominic Cummings at Nudgestock who was a very controversial figure in the Leave campaign but uh, you know using handwriting for good or for yeah. not so good. Are there any? Is there anyone that you wouldn't work with? Yeah, I guess um, and I think I'd also, because it's not just me that has to deal with clients anymore, I have a whole team of people. I think uh, we are all very similar minded in kind of the ethics and we love the people, it, it works because of the people. And so I think there are certain, in my own mind, like if someone tried to use handwritten letters to promote like guns, for example, it'd be just a flat out no. Mm -hmm. um, so there are, there are certain things that I'd definitely be you know, I don't really want to promote the, the buying of guns. And then sometimes, depending on how it was done, like we do work with some alcohol companies, mm -hmm. um, but then I guess there's obviously a limit to if the message was, you know, go out there and get drunk all the time <laughs> and whatever, then I'm not sure that's quite ethical. No. But actually just promoting saying, hey, there's a bottle of champagne or you know, there's a bottle of wine that we think you'd enjoy, that's very different. So mm -hmm. we work with alcohol companies and we work with very different companies, which could be seen as unethical. But I think as long as it's done in the right way, with the right message, um, then it, then it isn't. So I think there is always lines, and I think I've kind of left it down and empowered my team to be like, you know, is that we've never come across someone that we've been like, should we even question, should we be doing this? And mm. um, at the end of the day, most companies that come to us align with our values in some way to even approach us. And mm. um, so if someone does want to send a Hamilton letter, it's because they do value their customers, otherwise they wouldn't want to pay for that. So we haven't had anyone that's come to us that we've been like, we can't work with them uh, on. But I guess, yeah, selling of guns initially comes to mind. Anything they can harm. Well, what about a political party? If, if, if Theresa May said, yeah. I, I want a letter out to the entire country, please, yeah. saying I'm very sorry about <laughs> the situation, <laughs> this, that or the other, what, yeah. what would uh, what would impact say? Well, I think um, we're, I, we're very open and as, as a culture and a company, we're very open to different opinions. And so just because your opinion might be one thing, that doesn't mean that you should force that on anyone else. So if any political party came to us and said, I care enough about my message that I want to share it with someone else, I don't think it's an hour, we shouldn't stop people hearing that message. Um, so I think in that instance, any political party would come to us. And as long as they had the right mo motives to do it and they weren't trying to be manipulative in any way or, you know, they weren't, as long as the message was right and they genuinely wanted to reach people and they wanted to do it in a personal way, that's what we're here for then we'd work with them no matter what political standpoint. Teresa, you heard it here first. Thank you very much, Charlotte. Thank you. Big thank you to Charlotte and Tara. That was a really great interview. Yeah, I really enjoyed it and could definitely have let it continue for much longer. One thing that really stands out for me about Impact is the way that they successfully merge marketing and social enterprise, making personalised communication a win-win for both businesses and the community. Yeah, and for me, the most notable thing was how, until meeting Charlotte, I had simply accepted as fact that you could not use handwriting in mass communication. 
though it was likely a highly effective tool for getting people to open and engage with your content, and is something Ogilvy Change has recommended to clients, I thought that it was simply not possible at scale, and faking it was the best we could do, so using fake handwriting fonts, or at best developing your own unique handwriting font for your business. Ironically, having real ink on real paper written by real people seemed like too much of a technological leap to make in 2017. But Inkpack have apparently made the leap. So, if you want to hear more from Inkpact, you can follow them on Twitter at Inkpact, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Ogilvy Change, and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Ogilvy Change. And if you want to catch up on the highlights of Nudgestock 2017, you can read our Nudgestock Roundup on our blog, o-behave.tumblr.com. And don't forget that you can listen to all of our speakers in full on the Ogilvy Change YouTube channel. And finally, we want to thank our sponsor, Sound Lounge, enabling advertisers to use music in more powerful ways. Special thanks to Ruth Simmons for introducing us to the world of sound branding, and Julian Goodkind for managing the music origination and production for this show. Thanks for listening.